Here's a key statistic about Colorado politics. About one in six eligible voters in the state is Hispanic or Latino. And going into this election, they have a lot of concerns. My main issues are gonna be the economy, you know, what is happening with the markets. To me, the most important issues are how we take care of the earth. The infrastructure sucks. Housing market is through the roof. What I'm really interested in is having our veterans be able to obtain the benefits that um, they have coming to them. And when it comes to these voters who have been the center of attention for both parties in many ways, there are two really important things to know. The first is that this is not some singular monolithic group. I'm very concerned about my Second Amendment rights. I would also like a conversation about gun safety, that there be more gun control. Another thing to note, both political parties, Democrats and Republicans, are doing all they can this fall to win over as many Latino voters as possible, knocking on doors, ads, calling voters, and trying to form deeper ties in communities. This center is part of our party's commitment to building relationships with the Hispanic American community and sharing our message of freedom and opportunity. Historically, Latino voters in Colorado have tended to vote for Democrats by fairly wide margins. But this year, Republicans think, or hope, that worries over rising costs could help them peel away some of those votes. And in the state's closest races, that can make all the difference. This is Purplish from CPR News, a podcast about Colorado politics, policy, and for this season, the 2022 midterm elections. I'm Caitlin Kim. I'm Benta Berkland. And I'm Andrew Kenny. So for this episode, we're going to talk about the Latino vote and why both parties see these voters as crucial for victory this year. But before we get started, you're going to hear me and all of us say this a lot. Latino voters are not a monolith. No ethnic group is. And that's the challenge for campaigns and for conversations like this one. How to recognize the commonalities while staying aware of how much diversity of viewpoints there really is. The question is how campaigns are going to try to connect with such a diverse group of voters. It's especially urgent for Republicans. They need to do well with Latino voters, as well as unaffiliated voters and, of course, unaffiliated Latino voters to make the kind of gains they want to make and take some power back in Colorado this fall. So one thing that speaks to that diversity is just how many different backgrounds Latinos in Colorado have and where they come from. You know, I've interviewed people in Pueblo who, and you know, I just remember this one woman telling me her family had been there for 20 generations. Wow. Yeah, I mean, I think that's the experience of a lot of families. You'll hear a phrase that's pretty commonly used in, in Southern Colorado, we didn't cross the border, the border crossed us. Because a lot of those Latino families have been in the area for generations. About 80% of Latinos in Colorado are from the U.S., not from another country, despite the stereotype. And you'll hear all these different identity terms, Latino, Hispanic, Chicano, depending on kind of where people are from and overall, like the culture that they identify with. And I keep coming back to one of the voters I've met in recent weeks who's sort of exactly the type of person both political parties have a hope of swaying. I've always been kind of a bit impartial because both sides can offer, have creative ideas on how to best manage our communities and our government. This is Nico Martinez. He's 32. He lives in Denver. His parents immigrated from Colombia, so he's actually a dual citizen. 
He's also a small business owner. He has a real estate company and a music production company. I think the most important thing is to find that there's genuine people in our government seats, people that actually give a crap about people's livelihood and understand that it's like from the most quote-unquote insignificant or lower paid worker it's such an essential part of the whole ecosystem uh, that we live in that we need to value every person's work just as much as as we value the ceo so from the way he was putting it to you benta he sounds pretty independent willing to listen to both sides Mm -hmm. and concerned especially about wanting candidates who can understand where people are coming from he wants somebody who relates to the common person i do think that's something a lot of voters are looking for at least from what we've heard especially at a time when personal finances, inflation are such a big concern. Yeah, definitely. And then that was a huge concern for him and pretty much the main issue he's worried about. My main issues are going to be the economy. You know, what is happening with the markets, uh, specifically in regards to the cost, uh, the, the inflation of, uh, of the cost of goods, of the cost of services, like are wages going to start, you know, are we going to see anything with wages being pushed up um, so that it can kind of level uh, level the playing field again? That's an issue that I know has come up in a lot of surveys of Latino voters. One poll I looked at from Unidos US and uh, Mi Familia Vota, I'm sorry if I'm mispronouncing that, They found that inflation, crime and gun violence and jobs and the economy were the top priorities. And I think that's good news for Republicans. You know, Democrats have been in charge for a few years, and these are the kinds of problems voters tend to blame incumbents for. So I covered a different poll on Latino voters that turned up pretty similar results. Inflation and the economy were a huge concern. Mm. But to go back to Martinez just for a minute, Mm -hmm. among his top concerns, he said he's also very aware of how candidates talk about different groups of people, especially immigrants. I mean, I think the only make or break for me is like some is somebody who's um, being very um, sort of narrow minded in terms of the community approach. So if you're not going to be inclusive of you know, everybody in this country, including minorities, including illegal immigrants or people that are out here trying to work and actually make a living for their families, and you're going to have a narrow mind of like, well, we're only going to go this route and we're only going to help these people. Like that would be my only kind of caveat of like, you know, we, we don't need that kind. We need people with broad mind and like kind of a <laughs> forward thinking mentality. To kind of echo that, I spoke with one Republican Latina who goes out canvassing for candidates, and he said he wished some Republican lawmakers would not speak disparagingly about immigrants. The most well-known example, I think, being former President Trump and how he described people crossing the border, and I'm not going to use the words he used. (laughs) But, you know, I mentioned this because while immigration wasn't a top three issue for Hispanic voters, at least in the poll that I saw, it did make the list for the top three deal breaker issues Hmm. that they would not vote for someone who opposes immigration reform or a pathway to citizenship. That's interesting. So it's not the top three thing they necessarily want the person to be talking about, but the way the person talks about it could turn them off. Is that right? Yeah, or if they, they're just like against immigration reform or against the pathway to citizenship. That's yeah. Like I mean, yeah. anecdotally, the Latino voters I've been speaking to this election season, people did mention immigration is one of the top issues after the economy. That's not statistically sound, but that's just what I've observed. You definitely hear the candidates trying to tailor a message to that. Barbara Kirkmeyer, the CD8 candidate Republican, was on Colorado Matters recently. 
And she told Ryan Warner, our colleague, the Biden administration had an open border, that they weren't doing anything on the border. But she tried to temper that by saying, we need to have opportunities for dreamers, for people brought to this country as children, saying that that was the promise of America. So you hear both border control and immigration reform, at least in the talking points from some of these candidates. That's exactly what Republican Senate candidate Joe O'Day is also saying. Supports providing a pathway for citizenship for dreamers, but he also wants border security, including building a wall. Going back to polling for a minute, another way it suggests that Republicans may have trouble swaying some Latina voters is that when you dig into some of those big concerns like gun violence, it's not how Republicans are talking about crime, you know, as a problem of Democrat-run cities. Hmm. It's really the idea that it's too easy to get a gun and that elected officials need to find a way to end school shootings, which I think actually is an issue that might help Democrats. Right. So you're hearing from Hispanic or Latino voters who are concerned about gun violence, which sadly makes sense because in just the last three years, we've seen the Uvalde school shooting where nearly all the children who were murdered were Latino And then the racist massacre at the Walmart in El Paso, Texas, where the shooter targeted Latinos in particular. Exactly. And another issue that is more salient than ever in this election is abortion. And in that same poll I mentioned, 74% of Latino voters in Colorado believe it should remain legal no matter their own personal beliefs on the Hmm. issue. I think that's interesting because I remember meeting a woman who embodied that because she doesn't personally believe in abortion. She wouldn't get an abortion, but she also doesn't want to see the government ban it. So to bring us back to the big picture here, Latinos are the largest non-white voting group in Colorado. And while they've tended to vote by large margins for Democrats in the past, it wouldn't take too many Latino voters filling out their ballots for Republicans to make a big difference in some key races. As we turn toward what the political parties and campaigns are doing this year, it seems like a good time to mention that I met Nico Martinez, the voter we've heard from, at an event with Barbara Kirkmeyer. Andy, you talked about her border policies. Mm -hmm. She's the Republican candidate in Colorado's newest congressional district, that's CD8. Uh And her campaign was hosting a meet and greet in the district. It was at a local business to celebrate Hispanic Heritage Month. You know, that makes sense. This new district has the largest percentage of Latino voters compared to any other congressional district in the state, almost 39 percent. And it's also the most competitive congressional district seat in the state. The Independent Redistricting Commission, which we love so much to talk about, drew it in this way that it's almost a toss up, maybe favored Republican. It's exactly the kind of race where victory comes down to a few percentage points, which could be who makes the better pitch to Latino or Hispanic voters. Earlier in this episode, we heard some audio from this Hispanic Community Outreach Center, and that's in Thornton. It's part of this national effort that the RNC is doing to open these offices throughout the nation focused on communities of color. Groups are also going directly to voters. You know, there's this Coke-backed group, the Libra Initiative, their national outreach group trying to build Hispanic support for free market policies in particular. Mm-hmm. And they've been door knocking in, you know, the southern part of the 8th Congressional District for Kirkmeyer, who they've endorsed. And Republicans are going to have to work hard in that 8th CD. Mm. The Democratic candidate is a state lawmaker, Yadira Caraveo. She's Latina. She's a pediatrician and a first-generation American, so her parents came to the U.S. from Mexico. If she wins, she would be the state's first Latina in Congress. What makes this area especially interesting is it's not just an area where the Latino population is, is pretty high. It's also where the Latino and Hispanic population is growing 
So there's a lot of political mobilization efforts among Latino and Hispanic community leaders in Adams County. To your point, Andy, I actually spoke with one Latina voter who said she actually moved to Adams County because it was a growing place for the Hispanic community. Hmm. She wanted to be with people that looked like her. And she was really excited about the idea of potentially having another Latina in Congress to represent Colorado. So Hmm. there is that. We're also seeing this kind of Latino ground game play out to a certain extent in the Senate race. Both Michael Bennett and Joe O'Day have Spanish language sites. They're putting social media and television ads out in Spanish. Joe O'Day reducirá la inflación y los precios de la gasolina. Asegurará nuestra frontera y protegerá a los soñadores. Basado en el proyecto de ley del senador Bennett, the American Rescue Plan aumentó el crédito tributario por hijos. Estos logros son pruebas. Michael Bennett está de nuestro lado. Soy Michael Bennett. Y apruebo este mensaje. You know, an example of how bullish the O'Day campaign is on appealing to Latino voters, O'Day himself thinks he can get up to 60% of the Latino vote, hmm. which would be a sea change. Yeah, that seems really optimistic. So how big of a change would that be from recent elections? You know, according to one exit poll analysis I saw from the 2020 Senate race, Democrat John Hickenlooper got over 70% of the Latino vote. So he could flip that. I did ask the O'Day campaign you know, where they got that 60% number from, and they pointed to his biography. They think O'Day's working class story and the fact that, you know, the workforce at his construction company is mostly Latino will connect with Latino voters. What it boiled down to is they think the campaign is positioned to not just do better with Hispanic voters, but actually win the majority of them, which would be a huge shift for Republicans in a statewide race. But it also sounds like their reasoning for that is more so, well, it it could happen and not necessarily they're pointing to a lot of data or surveys they're willing to disclose. So we'll see. But there is some precedent here. You know, some of the confidence, this whole conversation really is coming from the fact that Republicans in 2020 made big gains with Latino voters, not necessarily in Colorado, but in Florida and in parts of South Texas. Andy and Benta, you two have also been keeping an eye out on the contests in the state legislature. I'm guessing Latino voters are likely to be crucial in some of those races, right? Yeah. When we talk about the legislative races, the focus is really on just a handful of state Senate seats that Republicans want to flip so they can maybe take control of the chamber and have some actual power in the Capitol. And of those half dozen or so most crucial, most competitive races, three of them are districts with fairly large Latino populations. One is in Thornton, which is within this area that we've been discussing with the 8th Congressional District. And the others are in Colorado Springs and Pueblo. And all of them do have some interesting back and forth voting patterns that say they could be in play. Pueblo is the only one of those races that has a Latino candidate in the running. Mm. Um, That's Stephen Varela. He's a Republican. But interestingly, he's only been a Republican for two years. He has switched party affiliations back and forth over the years, but most recently Republican. And he says how he was treated by Democrats had a role in switching parties. And to me, that was like, okay, this is really cool because for the first time I'm at the table, not because I was a union president or because I'm checking a box that I'm Hispanic or because I'm a young Hispanic. It's more because, hey, you have a lot to offer. We should also point out that he's challenging Democratic incumbent Nick Hendrickson, who's also been a member of both parties. So kind of a fun party switcheroo going down there in Pueblo. 
All right. So to sum up, the Congressional District 8 race may be the contest where Latino voters could have the most decisive impact because they're such a big part of the electorate there. Nearly 40 percent. Exactly. And because the district is so closely divided. But they could also play a major role in the U.S. Senate race and the scramble for control of the state Senate, which means candidates and parties are all trying to find the right approach to win them over and get them out to vote. It's one thing to know that Latinos are one of Colorado's largest voting blocs. It's another to make your case person by person on not just why they should vote for a candidate, but why they should vote at all. And again, going to be complex because this is a group of people that have some commonalities, but also are quite diverse and different among themselves. But one factor is the question of voter turnout, because data from past elections shows Latino voters have participated in elections at lower rates compared to non-Hispanic white voters. I looked a bit into this, and one part of it may just be the demographics. The Latino population in Colorado is on average a lot younger, like on the order of 10 years, than the non-Hispanic white population. And Andy, generally, especially in midterm elections and such, younger voters don't participate as much, right? Yeah, that's right. Younger voters tend to get fired up for the presidential years. And no matter who you're talking about, older people just tend to vote more. I will say it looks like Latino turnout has increased in recent elections even in recent midterms. But there's still this question of how do you convince people to not just have faith in the system, be interested in the system, but also to vote for them to vote, period. So, you know, that's something that actually comes up in the 8th Congressional District. It's the highest proportion of Latino voters, but it also has the fewest registered voters of any districts, meaning all the Congressional District's populations are the same Mm -hmm. because they have to be the same. But the registered voters in those districts, CD8 has the smallest number overall. And I talked a bit about this issue with Alex Sanchez. He's the head of Vosas Unidas de las Montañas. It's a Glenwood Springs-based nonprofit, and it seeks to politically engage Latinos, especially living in the central mountains. His organization was part of a survey of Latino voters in Colorado. Mm -hmm. And the survey found that a lot of these voters are disillusioned about politics. They don't believe either political party is concerned about their community. I think this data, it should be a slap in the face to many of us who are in this business to say we need to do better. And it's the system that's the problem. And the data suggests that Latinos are not trustful of the political system. I've definitely heard some of those views echoed by people that I've talked to. um, And that could be a problem, particularly for Democrats. You know, we mentioned that Latinos have traditionally supported Democratic candidates, but I heard from plenty of people who feel like the party has taken their support for granted and hasn't done enough when it comes to getting people out who can speak Spanish or hold family-friendly events so that people can bring their kids and not have to worry about a babysitter. Sol Sandoval, who was a Democratic Latina candidate for Congress, she lost her primary, but she says the party needs to think beyond the typical voters that show up to a roundtable. So in order for everyone To be able to participate in these conversations, we need to make sure that we're not just catering to people who are retired, that we're not just catering to individuals, you know, who work that eight to five because there are tons of people, you know, that, you know, are working in kitchens that are housekeepers and they don't have that eight to five. It's the idea that, hey, parties are paying attention to us now that there's an election around Mm -hmm. the corner kind of thing. And Alex Sanchez, who we just heard from earlier, he's aligned with progressives. And he thinks Democrats and Republicans have taken a somewhat transactional approach to Latino voters. When When I hear about a Latino not voting, 
you know, I don't blame that person for not participating. I blame the system that has yet to learn how to engage that person. And that person has every right to say, I don't see myself reflected in your platform. And you have never approached me and you have never sat down with me and you have never wanted to learn about who I am, what motivates me, uh, what keeps me up at night, and what are the solutions that myself and, and my family needs to be able to thrive. That goes right back to that Hispanic community center that you were talking about, Benta, you know, the one the Republicans opened in Thornton. We don't know if that's going to be permanent or not. And the Republican Party has faced that same criticism that Democrats have faced, that, you know, they only court Hispanic voters in the months leading up to an election. Yeah, exactly. And I was talking to Sanchez about that community center in Thornton. And he said, look, if Republicans just open this office a month or two before an election and then shut it down, that's just not a helpful approach. And I think that goes to concerns that voters across the spectrum have, which is, do politicians actually care about me or do they just want to get my vote come November? And if you can figure out how to make one community actually have faith in government and trust, uh, you're probably on your way to solving a lot bigger problems in the United States. So uh, best of luck, political operatives and candidates. It's the only time <laughs> you'll hear me say that. <laughs> So as we wrap up our big points, Latina voters, not a monolith. Not a monolith. The Republican Party is trying to make inroads with the once reliable Democratic voters. The Democratic Party is trying to remind Latinos that they share many of the same values. And both parties have their eyes on how Latinos could really swing key races in Colorado, like the new 8th Congressional District and the Senate race. That's it for this week's episode. Purplish is a production of member-supported Colorado Public Radio. Learn about becoming a member and join today at CPR.org. I'm Caitlin Kim with my colleagues, Benta Berklin and Andy Kenny. This episode was edited by Megan Burley and produced by Shane Rumsey. Thanks for listening. This is Purplish from CPR News.